0: What up, homies? Lisa you here for Women of Impact. Now, if you've been on the fence about what your next move is out of your current situation or how to actually improve it, this episode is for you. I'm so freaking excited because, my homies, if you're living in quiet desperation like I used to and just accept a life that you never actually dreamt of, who settled for comfort and people pleasing over radical passion and freaking honesty to go after that dream, And today's episode is absolutely dedicated to all of my homies who have been in a situation like I have been in utter quiet desperation in a life that I never actually dreamt of or just settled for what was given to me or was just so worried about people pleasing that I never spoke up about what I actually wanted. For any of you out there who have felt that and understand what I'm talking about and lived the quote-unquote safer life, then my homie, this really is the one that you need to listen to. And in part one, we unravel Cody's hardest decisions to walk away from the good life, willing to look crazy and be misunderstood by everyone else, even her closest family. So guys, if you're not living the life you dreamt of, and you're trying to figure out how the heck do I get out of here, this conversation is for you. Now step into your bad bitch boots, follow this show, and let's freaking get started with my girl, Cody Sanchez.
1: A lot of people stay in quiet desperation because they get talked out of the thing that deep down inside they know to be true. And they're going to think, what's wrong with you? Like, aren't you grateful enough? Why would you leave? So... Why did young Cody think that she should have gotten married to this man? And did young Cody know that she shouldn't have at some point? And the answer is... So, Cody, you were
0: married to a guy who actually wanted you to be a stay-at-home wife. You had, like, the fancy cars, the white picket fence, but you had these massive dreams to work and travel the world. So you decided to actually speak up and leave and as a result, you were now happily married, owned 26 companies and invested in like a hundred more. Now, most of us would have actually stayed in that relationship in just quiet desperation, feeling bad or shamed or even a bitch for actually leaving. How the hell did you stop people pleasing? Start putting yourself first and not worry about what everyone else thought of you.
1: It took me years and I really had to do it completely by myself. I think a lot of people stay in quiet desperation because they share with other people and they get talked out of the thing that deep down inside they know to be true. And so it's almost the opposite of what we're told in things like AA or when we're having difficulties, tell somebody else, let your community help you. For me, it was, I don't want to tell anybody else because they see this perfect thing and they're going to think, what's wrong with you? Like, aren't you grateful enough? Why would you leave? And so- it was a solo mission that I knew that I had to take. My parents knew about it uh, the day before I told him that I was going to get a divorce and not a moment sooner. None of my friends knew about it uh, except one that I went to live and stay with uh, that night when I left. And um, I think the moment where I felt that I could not live another day in that marriage was... When I looked at, we had two friends that were married, 10 years older than us. We went on a group trip together, the four of us. And they were, you know, wealthier than we were. They had kids together. They were sort of 10 years in the the future for us. And I remember, you know, my husband at the time looking at me and saying like, you know, one day that'll be us. And I just was horrified. (laughs) And I thought, there's nothing I want less than that. And so if I could project myself into the future and that is what 10 years looks like, if I don't make a move today, I will end up at a place where somebody else has become the architect of my life instead of myself. And so that moment changed everything. And now, whenever I'm in those difficult moments, I try to project forward. Do I want this thing that I'm striving for? Hmm, let me look at somebody else who has it. And if I don't want their life, the things that are around them, the type of happiness that I see exuding from them, then I'm going to probably stop chasing that. God, that
0: really hit me, that projection thing. Um, But there's a big chasm between that moment of like, oh my God, dear Lord, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. And then processing, but what are other people going to say? What's my mum going to say? How am I going to leave this guy? Like... To your point, mm-hmm. like people are going to think I'm crazy. So, how, what did that actually look like then in the steps of you realizing that and then you actually leaving? Because I think again, some people right now may be hearing, oh my God, that feels like me, but there's no way I
1: can leave. Like that, yeah. even just the mentality of I can't leave. Yeah. You should pick the person who will be the bully for you. Mm-hmm. So, in this scenario, I called my dad and I said, I want to take you on a little trip. We went to a dude ranch in, uh, in Northern Arizona and, uh, I went for two days and I said, I want it to just be the two of us. And I want a father daughter trip and my dad can be a very tough man. And so we went and the first night I sat him down and said, I've already made a difficult decision. I will not be changing my mind on this decision, but I need a lot of support and I'm going to set out the exact expectations of how you can be there for me. If you want to, are you open to having that conversation? And he, of course, said, yes. What is it? Are you OK? And I said, I'm I'm getting divorced. Uh, I'm leaving my husband. I want you to tell mom because I don't want to have that first conversation with her. And here's what I think will make this doable and easy for me. And I was really clear on what I wanted. And I had written it down in a journal. I was like, if I'm going to do this, how could I make this less miserable for myself? What would be the steps where instead of this being something that could derail me, might be something that could propel me? And we sat down that night and I basically said, I want you to talk to mom uh, instead of me. I want—I uh, don't want anybody to ask me why or are you sure or these things that are questions for you and not for me. I'm very firm in my convictions. If after a certain period of time, we're past the divorce, you know, I've moved out, we've figured that out, you wanna have those conversations, I'll let you know when I'm ready. Are you open to doing that? And so twice he got to say yes or no, open or not. And twice I got to say, here's the way that I actually need to be supported. I think most of the times in life, we don't get the support we want because we don't actually know what support we want. We've never taken the moment to sit and think, I'm gonna do this big, awful thing. How could I have somebody else help me do it? And could I be really clear on what the expectations would look like for support? And so maybe give yourself that option. What I've found is that, Those few people in your life that can be the bullies for you or that can be the support system for you, they don't know how to support you because they're not you. And so the golden rule actually becomes the worst things possible, which is maybe they want to sit up, drink wine and cry all night. And all I want to do is move past it and then maybe I have the breakdown as soon as I'm done with it. So that's what I did. Oh my God, i got so many questions. <laughs> okay, so how did you have such strong conviction of
0: what you wanted? Because as you're breaking mm-hmm. it down, I'm like, that's so powerful. But I think again, where do people get stuck? It's that sometimes they don't eat, even know what support looks like, what support they need. Did you write down like your fears? Like, oh, if someone asks me, I really worry
1: that this is going to break me. Yeah, I uh, I've kept a journal since I was really little. Mm. And the journal is usually goals-based. My one, three, five tenure five, 10-year goals, like we're all taught to Even do. when you were a kid. Oh, yeah. Oh, I kind of love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I want a Barbie, um, uh, you know? Um, but uh, so I've always kept goals in my journal, but I had never done anti-goals before. And I don't know where the word came up, but at some point when I was in business, I heard this term anti-goal, which is if I accomplish X, Y, and Z, uh, that's incredible, but what would that make that terrible? And, um, so if you think about it, you know, you start a new business and you're like, I want to start this new business. I want to make a million dollars a year and I want to do it in my area of passion design. Okay, great. Well, what would make that miserable? Well, I have to work 90 hour weeks to do it. Uh, my, you know, passion now becomes something that I feel like I have to do as opposed to I get to do. And so then you can create your goals in a way, um, that fits what you really want as opposed to what you think you want which is mimetic desire as opposed to intrinsic desire what's inside of you as opposed to what keeping up with the joneses maybe mm. and so i just wrote it down i said i'm really scared to do this i also think if i don't do this i'm going to be miserable the rest of my life so how could how could i help myself make this less awful and i wrote down all the things that scared me like uh my mom crying uh me disappointing my mom um you know your friends thinking that you're selfish. Oh, what if they think they're in, that I, you know, had infidelity? What if they think that it was my fault and not his fault? Am I going to even explain faults? What would that look like? And so I wrote down all of this stuff and then I have this good friend Stacy and she um always she she taught me something really cool which was that it takes actually a lot of strength to allow somebody to support you. You know, if you think about it, you're probably similar weight on my shoulders. I can handle it. Don't worry about it. I got this. And there's actually something pretty beautiful in allowing a few other people to be support systems for you. And so I had never done that before. I would never ask to stay at a friend's house. I would always stay at a hotel. I would never lean. And this was one of those times that I thought, okay, if I'm going to be able to lean on two people, I want to be really clear on what that looks like. And now I do that for anything that scares me.
0: Wow. What do you think you would have done if your dad didn't respond in the way that he did. If he was just like, no, I'm not going to tell your
1: mom and what do you do? right? And he just completely ignores your request. So I had that scenario plan. People these days talk a lot about manifesting. I think about if then statements. Mm. So instead of a manifest, I hope that this happens. I go, well, I hope that X happens. But if Y happens instead, then I'm going to take this action. So everything just becomes like a little pyramid of like if this then that, if this then that, if this then that. And when you do that, I basically said, "Okay, my dad might say, no, you need to tell your mother. This is this is a, you know, this is a pivotal moment for you. I don't feel comfortable telling her." All of these things he could have said as a response. And what I had prepared, didn't have to say was um, that doesn't work for me. Period. Silence. It's uncomfortable when we just go period silence. That doesn't work for me. Often what you find is the other person will go, well, what does work for you? And then I would repeat back the other thing. What would work for me is this. And then they might come back and push on you again. At which point I would say something like, there's two ways for you to be involved. The first way is what I talked to you about, and the second way is we can talk after I've done the divorce and I've moved through it. And You guys don't have to be there for me. So what I'm actually saying is there's only one way for you to support me, but I'm giving you an option or an out of just not being involved. And, you know, I think what I realize in life is you, you can either have difficult conversations up front or impossible conversations at the back end. And so I will take difficult to avoid the impossible but it took years for me to become confident enough to even do that thing because we project out. We think it's going to be worse than it is. Mm. And that's why you go, okay, it might be. But if then, if then, if then, and typically I've never had more than two if thens go sideways. So the third, fourth thing isn't necessary. Mm. We all think the world's going to be, we're we're chicken littles thinking the sky's going to fall, all of us.
0: Uh I love that so much. Um, So it took you three uh, multiple years to build that confidence then. What steps did you have to take to build that confidence, to get to the point where you were able to then
1: realize that life didn't suit you, then speak up and then move out? One of the best things that happens to people young, I believe, is... Getting put in jobs and positions where you are told no continuously, building up an armor of no, of you're not good enough, of, you know, this doesn't work, really makes a lot things easier in life. And so for me, I was in finance and I was doing sales. So I was during the 2008 financial crisis doing investment sales to people who were losing everything. At that moment, you could imagine me calling and saying, you know, Hey, I want you to put through this order and I want you to come into this IPO. And people are like, what is wrong with you? Like, lose my phone number for eternity. The world is ending. And, uh, and I did that for years and years and years. And so once you have failure so repeatedly, you realize that you're not going to die, right? People telling you no, people telling you that you're not good enough. It hurts at first. And then at some point, it stops hurting. You know, you look at little young boys right? And the way they speak to each other, like, you know, you're so ugly. That girl's never going to say yes. When you ask her out women, we don't have that as much. We're like, honey, you're beautiful. You're perfect. You're great. Right. And so we don't build up this armor of no's. And I think as a woman, like if I was single, you know what I'd go do? I'd go to a bar and I would try to talk to as many men as I could, and I would try to get turned down as many times as I could in person. Because then, guess what? Tinder swiping, who cares? You know, a date doesn't go riot, who cares? Because you've built up an armor that shows that that has nothing to do with you as a human and everything to do with you just have to take a few more swings.
0: Can I push you a little on this yeah. one? Because I, I so hear what you're saying. Yeah. The problem is, I think that maybe you think that because you have a strong mindset, there are other people that mm-hmm. they hear no, they get rejected, and they yeah. really do believe it's about them. Mm-hmm. And then what happens is instead of it building that armor, they actually believe it and now they're they are they are they are smaller, they feel smaller, their confidence yeah. gets more damaged, not improve.
1: Yeah. I think you're right. And th- it never feels good to fail or get told no. I'm not sure it ever changes for any of us. Um But there's really only two options in life, right? The first option is that you can assume positive outcomes continuously and be disappointed. And the second is that you can have difficult things happen to you in life and realize that the universe only gives them to you because they think the universe thinks you can handle it. You know, I have, we have a mutual friend, Layla, and we were talking about her before, and we have this thing that we talk about called Tuesdays. Um, and so basically we'll text each other, uh, all the impossible things happening for us right now. So family things, losing a bunch of money, deals going sideways, people getting fired. And then at the end, we kind of make this just like, just another Tuesday. And the the reason why is because we think we have a belief, we have chosen to believe that every single problem that comes before me means that I'm capable of handling it. Now, I don't feel like that every single day, but if a problem happens and I start to say, huh, this means that I must be able to fix something, that the universe thinks I can handle this problem, then I become more and more appreciative of problems because they take me to the next level. I don't know how you start, but I do know that if you could just take that tiny frame, which is something bad happened, huh, I expect that to happen because that's life. And two, this bad thing that happened, that must mean I could, I could figure this out. If you could change your mindset to that then everything that happens to you is that old Tony Robbins ism. It's really happening it for, for you. you. Yeah. I love that. If you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good
0: terms or bad, So I wanna actually go back to you you've heard you talk about like the golden handcuffs. Mm, yeah. So in these moments where you've got like a beautiful house, like I said, you've got the cars. It it seems like growing up, right, at least for me, I was taught that that, that means that you've you've made it. Yeah. Right? You've got the lovely husband that loves you, you've got the cars, you've got right, like the the, the things that you think you should have. Yeah. And so they but then the golden handcuffs, because now you feel like you can't leave. And so did you ever worry about what was on the other side of leaving? And then how did you then, as you're nodding, how did you then actually decide or figure out that the unknown was better than the golden handcuffs
1: that you were in? Few things. One, what you guys do here on this podcast is incredibly important because I truly believe you can't be what you can't see. And it is much easier to travel a path that has already been worn. And so when you're walking in the woods, you you typically, you know where to go because there's some sort of footpath that somebody else has traveled before you. And I know that most problems that I have had or that you have had, they've existed for millennia. You know, we humans have these repetitive cycles over and over again. And so why would I try to recreate the wheel entirely and figure this out by myself. I did sort of the same thing I would do in business, which is I went and got a coach who specialized in divorce, who was a woman that I liked. She was a therapist. I paid her 50 bucks an hour. And I went and talked to her about, this is how I feel about divorce. I think afterwards, nobody ever may date me again. I think I might be completely alone. Maybe I'll be childless. Maybe I'll never have sex again. You know, all the crazy stories in your head, everybody's going to hate me. I'm going to lose all my friends. And it took somebody else who had an unbiased third-party opinion, who was also divorced, who was also an expert to say, I want to play this back to you. Let me repeat to you the words that you just said. Does that seem reasonable? You, you're young, you already have friends, you know, you have one husband that loves you. Could you find another one, do you think? And her repeating my words back to me made me realize, oh yeah, that's a little ridiculous. That's not a reasonable thing to think. And she was a pro, right? So I got to get, I got to push off my fears onto somebody else's profession. And that helped me a ton. So that was step one. Step two, she said something to me that was really powerful then that I'll never forget, which is uh, the power of place, She said, the second that you leave, you're going to feel like you turned a house into a home. You turned a, you know, relationship into a marriage. Um, you know, you left behind your dog, which was heartbreaking for me at the time. And, uh, you're going to feel completely untethered and humans were meant to root. And so she's like, I want you to do one thing when you leave. I want you to go get the most comfortable, cozy, perfect place for you doesn't have to be somewhere crazy mine was a little townhouse surrounded by trees and she's like i want you to decorate it i want you to nest in it because there is power in having your place and that was some of the best advice i ever got i still remember that little townhouse Um, i almost want to buy it back and like give it to other women because there was something so powerful about knowing i can make my own house a home it doesn't have to be this one that i was living in before
0: Oh, that's so strong, the power of place. Yeah. Um, and I've also heard you say you just have to be willing to lose everything. And I just yeah. have a quote of yours I had to lose everything, including the person I was, to become the person I wanted to be. Yes. How do you then actually do that? Because in those moments where I can just imagine, right, you're moving, so you're, you're saying the power of place, the power of place, but so, yes. you're repeating it to you, right? You know. But I'm sure, I'm guessing there were moments of tears and. Oh, yeah crest being feeling crestfallen did you have any doubts like with any regrets in those moments um because in your quote right it's like the idea of losing who you are can be so damn scary like the identity of being a wife the identity you know even though you've come through it in so many beautiful ways
1: um take me through that transition oh yeah i mean it was awful i uh the worst part for me was actually um they say that you go to therapy uh men go to therapy to stay and women go to therapy to leave so when i so we went to therapy and at some point you know it just we came, it was a culmination and uh and i remember coming home that day and it was dark at night and i had to tell him that i was leaving and wanted a divorce and i was going to leave that night like literally that night that night so you tell him and then you're ready to leave Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, like that. And big, big dude. And I remember him looking at me. And um, when I said those words, he just crumbled, you know, to the ground crying. Now, I wanted to be divorced from a man, but I'm not a heartless monster. And it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. I'll never forget that moment. And I'll probably never stop having some shame or guilt surrounding it. Because I had promised to say forever to somebody and then I broke that promise. And that meant something to me then. And so when I left that night, I remember going over to my uh, friend's place. I was stayed in her guest house and fucking Eat, Pray, Love came on the TV. <laughs> and there's this scene in Eat, Pray, Love where uh, Julia Roberts like is on the ground in the bathroom. You remember that yeah, scene? Yeah, And God's like, get up, you know, get up. And I'm just watching it like this, like, basic bitch, sad bastard in bed, just bawling, you know, and watching Julia Roberts on the floor. And, uh, and I remember kind of like laughing at that moment, but just crying. And I was like, what we're going to do is we're just going to allow ourselves a night of tears it's okay. Like I typically, am not a big crier. I just do what the good immigrant thing is, which is like, take all your feelings, shove them down inside, you know, (laughs) like never let them out. And so, uh, so I remember just saying like, we're just going to cry tonight. And so I had that like big therapeutic cry of a night. It was tough. And then when I woke up in the morning, I was like, I feel a little bit better. And I think there's probably some sun on the other side of this, Mm -hmm. but there are many moments where I felt, really sad and heartbroken, even though it was my decision. And it's okay if you're on either side of that equation. The wild thing is, however many years it is later, eight years or nine years or whatever, um, you know, he's way happier. Like married, kid, great with the person he probably should be. And I'm with the person that I should be. And look at all the shame and guilt I had for allowing another human to live the life that they were supposed to and being brave enough to say, this isn't working for either one of us. And so what if the story is actually that the thing you're so scared to do is the exact thing you're supposed to do? And what if you could let that sink in for a second and actually believe it and then realize that in that difficult decision, you are avoiding an impossible decision later on.
0: Oh, that's so strong. So why do you think you still have shame and guilt now? Mm,
1: You know, there are moments in life that I think you you honour by looking back on and saying, why did young Cody think that she should have gotten married to this man? And did young Cody know that she shouldn't have at some point? And the answer is, Yes. Really? You knew before? Oh, yeah. I actually think, and I'd be curious, your take, that um, we women, we have this like inner little good girl inside of us. And this little good girl kind of does what she's told. And she, uh, it plays nice. And sometimes she's just a wallflower. And it's a voice that was told to us by society, by our mothers, whoever, that, that you know, just be quiet, be nice, be a good little girl. And we keep that with us for a long time. And in my life, most of the bad decisions that I've made, the regrets that I have are when that little girl inside of me said like, hey, excuse me. Um, actually, I feel a little something. I don't trust this person. I don't think we should follow through for this. And I went and I talked to somebody else about it and either they talked me out of it or I talked myself into it. And if you really can think about it, we've talked about gut before. Most of us have that gut inside of us that we just, we bury or we don't listen to, or we don't believe. And I actually think you don't need more advice. Typically you need to listen to your fucking gut. Mm-hmm. And I knew. And so that's why I have some shame is like, it's not so much shame as like, remember, Remember, Cody, like, you know, nobody else does. Nobody else has to live your life. You have to deal with the repercussions of your actions. So why not be the one responsible for making them?
0: Yeah. Oh, God, that's so powerful. And I totally know what you mean about that little girl voice uh, or the good girl voice, I should yeah. say. And I think of myself now instead of because I... I I try really like because I've had so many health issues I try not to carry any guilt or shame about anything yeah. and so now I kind of look back in moments where I was like I, I probably should have made a different decision and I just go I just take inventory and mm. I was like okay what was my body telling me how do I now use that as a sign so that the next time that comes up I can go oh remember remember you found that before and so yeah. now I can go thank you for teaching me now in my adulthood so that I don't make that same mistake again so good um but do you think that that it becomes because you said either like other people it's convincing you or you're convincing yourself that becomes louder than the little girl that's trying to warn you
1: oh yeah it's so easy to get talked into or talked out of the things that you actually should do with your life in fact in my opinion, that's why we're, where we're at in society today is because all of us are listening to all of the other voices that are telling us what to do. You know, we're, we're lost in our social media scroll nonstop because the algorithms are actually made specifically to steal our attention. Mm -hmm. And probably because we're living lives that don't really align with what we want out of them. So we want the distraction. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think that most of our lives, unless we grab it and we twist it out and we pull it really hard are created by somebody else mm. because most of our, our lives were taught you know you sit in school and they tell you what to think not how could you think for yourself and when we're young as kids it's hey don't act out in this manner or another and it only takes me seeing a few of my girlfriends who lived lives that they thought they should Uh, and never woke up for it, from it, for me to realize that that is not what we want to do as women. Mm. We have to listen to this and do less of this.
0: Yeah, God. There's so many people with the shoulds, right? Where it's like, especially if you come from a cultural background or like, you know, very traditional, the, the expectations that can be put on you, um, You know, I, I ended up, you know, being a stay-at-home wife for eight years to Tom and that was the last thing I wanted. But I just got in the habitual motion and then had the belief that that's where I'd end up anyway, because that's what I was told as a kid. You know, from like all the subliminal messages, like I would fall on the floor, like if I'd ride a bike and I'd fall off the bike and I'd scrape my knee, um, my grandmother would come running up to me. She's like, oh, it's okay. You're going to be okay by the time you get married. Like that was her reassurance. Like don't worry. Cause like a marriage is if that was like the end goal. And so that imagine that to like a four year old or a six year old little Lisa and you get that subliminal message all the time. Of course, you end up in a life that maybe you didn't ask or want um, because you're you're being told that you should. And then that's why I really wanted to start on your story about how the hell you broke out of your marriage with the white picker fence and stuff. Because there there are so many people listening now that never broke out and they're, they're 20 years, 30 years in. And now they're like, holy shit, like Now what do I do? And so that pivot, that the the catalyst for someone to realize stop doing the shoulds how do I take my power back I'm leaning into it so much because it doesn't matter what life like if you're in the corporate world and you all you've ever wanted to be is a mother with like a bunch of children I think even now people are worried about making that pivot because society says as a woman you should be an entrepreneur you should have your own business and so now they're feeling guilty about changing their lives and so this is why I love hearing your tools and tactics because no matter what life it is, if you can get started, if you can build that confidence to take your power back and really make that
1: shift. Now, could you imagine what we women could do? Oh, a hundred percent. So we We were talking about it before. I used to think that tactics were what you want, but what I didn't realize is that if I didn't believe in me, then it didn't matter if you gave me all the steps, I just wouldn't listen. I'd black out. And so I think it's really important if you're feeling In one of these stuck situations whatever that is it could be divorce it could be your job trying to listen to the stuff that makes you believe in you again and that is a forever journey I mean I have this what I call my bible but um basically it's in my Evernote and I've had it for I can't even imagine how many years now um but it's every single quote I hear or read that inspires me and so um when I get down or when I feel like I'm a little lost, I go back and I read through it. Um, and so I read, you know, there was one I was reading the other day that I just added that I loved, which is, I can't remember who it is. So somebody can tell us online, so I'm not plagiarizing. But um, she said, when I get to the end of my life, I hope that I won't have just lived the width of it but also the length of it. Mm. And I was like, I love that. Just the visual of, you know, a life lived shallow at the very top as, to, as opposed to a life that could have been lived this big. And so I'll, I'll sort of wear those quotes, like a little bit of armor. Anytime I'm going to have a difficult decision, you know, can you go and can you read the words of those who are stronger than you and steal their strength? And that really helps me. I love that. And there's something actually
0: that you said um, earlier about, you know, whether you're leaving or um, leaving a job. Um, You talk about the exit tax to freedom. Oh, yeah. So talk to me about that. I found this so freaking powerful. And again, I'm really trying to think, like, what are the things that get us stuck? And then how do we get out? I think people
1: worry about, like, having to pay the tax, basically. My father actually told me this. When I was getting divorced, um, I was concerned about the actual monetary cost. And, uh, and I was going to have to leave a lot of money on the table because he was fighting me. And I remember I talked about this with my dad and I was, I was very stressed financially. I thought maybe I wouldn't be able to stand on my own two feet afterwards. And my dad looked at me and he said, um, whenever you choose freedom, there's an exit tax. And he's like, just consider this your tax. And for some reason that resonated with me because I thought, well, when I make money each year, and I pay the government some sort of tax. It doesn't cripple me for the next year. It's just a toll. It is a toll you will pay on the highway to freedom. And I think that's a really powerful thing to realize. Like, I know there's going to be a price and I'm going to pay it. And then what's wild is what's going to happen to you. I can pretty much guarantee is you are going to get on the other side and all you're going to realize all the energy you were pouring into this thing that didn't serve you is going to be unleashed to your next thing. So now I've made 10 times or a hundred times the amount of money that I did previously to date. You know, I'm in a relationship that I love with a man that I adore. You know, I have friends who support me, even though I lost pretty much every single friend that I had past divorce. I kept one, two, uh, they're married. And, uh, and I couldn't ask for anything better. And yet, if you would have told me that back then, I wouldn't have believed you. But again, perhaps it's just flipping those questions. What if it becomes easier, better, more incredible, and richer on the other side of this impossible? How do you deal with losing those friends? <laughs> um, one, sometimes you don't have a choice. So what are you going to do? Chase people who don't want to be friends with you? Oftentimes, I think we do that. You know, we're like, hey, what about me? What about me? And at some point, I just thought, if you don't check in on me, support my businesses, you know, engage your comment with my stuff, um, call me to invite me to things. If you are not an active participant in my life, then at best, you're a voyeur. And at worst, you're a hater. And I don't really have room for either one of those two things. And so if that's where you're at, then I wish you well. Do you really wish him well? Yeah, I do. I do because they I really think that each of these people served me, even though, Mm. you know, my ex, there are many reasons why I got that divorce that I don't think were my fault. But, man, I'm really thankful for him. And I really do wish him well because I don't want to leave behind a trail of dead bodies. You know, I would rather leave behind a trail of humans who are a little better off and maybe they're not going to be alongside me anymore, but in the past behind me, they're growing at their own pace, and that's pretty incredible. I
0: think that's super healthy. I just know that for me, I think it would be hard for me to kind of, especially if I built my friendships and they Mm. kind of basically chose him over me, it would make me start to question that relationship that I had with them in the first place, and then I think that part of me, at least in that moment, would maybe spiral and be like, oh, my God, was it all fake? Were they just with me because of my husband or because of the dynamic? Yeah. Well, what if they were, I suppose, is the question that I asked you. Yeah, that's a a good question. I think I would then identify, because I love going backwards in time, right? And identify what were the things that maybe there were flags that now I can take with me into my next friendships that I can now make sure that they're much more genuine and that it's way more deeper than just the surface level of, you know, maybe where you
1: live or who you're married to. Totally. I think, you know, we're sitting in Hollywood right? A place where many people are friends with many people because of the things that they have or the people that they are, right? And my husband and I have this line we like to say, which is we like to choose sides. And so um, in this day and age, there are so many people that don't want to choose a side. You know, they want to be politically correct everywhere. They want to um, choose a side after they kind of have seen how the dust settles, right? And my husband and I don't believe that. Like, if you are one of our chosen few, we will we will choose your side. And even to our detriment. And so I think, you know, he was a special forces military. And so he meant that literally, you know, as opposed to figuratively. But, you know, he was okay with violent action on a side that he believed was right. And so that to me separates the type of humans I want to be with now. So even, you know, when we had everything going on with you know, what was happening over the last couple of years. And, you know, we were worried about what if our friends, what if we all have differing opinions on the stuff that's happening? And what we realized is whatever our stance is going to be, we're going to say it and we're going to stand by it. And uh, people that choose to support us for that, great. And people who choose to not to will note, you know? Mm-hmm. and uh, And so to your point, it's that constant inventory of like, what is the level of our friendship? And it's okay to have acquaintances. There are many people that I'm like, of course I'll help you to this degree. Mm -hmm. Um, and being really honest about those, who those people are. But again, I think I go back to, I knew, like I knew in my gut, if you have friends right now where when you get together with them, you talk about people instead of ideas or instead of, um, inspiration. You know, if you have people in your life that are always telling you stuff that's a little gnarly about others, like, you know, they're not going to be there for you. And so it's how aware of your relationships are you? And at that point, I was not aware. I was keeping up with the Joneses, you know, Real Housewives of of Dallas. And that's (laughs) that's not me. I was in a situation fairly recently where that happened.
0: Uh, And I literally just got up and walked out. Oh, good for you. I was like, I I don't want to shame anyone. I'm not here to shame. If they want to do them, they want to gossip, like, again, I don't think that's my place to tell them what to do. Because, totally. again, everyone needs to live their own life. But I was like, I cannot be a part of this. And so literally in the middle of the conversation, I just went whoop, whoop. And I went out and I text my friend and I said, please let me know when this conversation's over and I'll come back in. Oh, good for you. But I was like, I cannot be a part
1: of this conversation. That was just important to me. But that took time. I was going to say, yeah. And, and, like, what is it? Is it just a muscle that we build? that you hear a few of those and you stop speaking first no it probably is it's like a stair step right exactly yeah a
0: a hundred percent because once upon a time I would have engaged just to try and fit in me too and even if I didn't necessarily believe it I'd be like oh my god yeah yeah you know because I was like (laughs) I won't be the only one like the odd one out and but that was my insecurity yeah and then it became to your point of when you're building your confidence when you're building that strength muscle you're like next time I'm just not going to engage right Right? and I just tell myself like how am I going to act next time and to your point exactly how you you do is like okay you're going to say this you're going to do this and so I would like next time you just you don't chime in Lisa you just sit there in silence yeah. and I sat there in silence and I still didn't feel great Yeah. And so I was like, okay, next time, Lisa, you're just going to walk out, be polite, but just walk out. And so I just made a promise to myself that the next time I found myself in that situation that I would just walk out. And I did. And I was very proud of myself, actually, that I didn't engage. um, But I didn't need to tell anybody how I felt. That was also another thing. And even now, I'm like, I would have held it exactly the same way. I don't feel like I'm the person. um, People don't need to start shaming other people based on the way that they live.
1: Totally. Um, I think and, that's so powerful.
0: But when you what's interesting, though, is when you're around dynamics, as you start to change, you start to grow, you start to put out boundaries. There's a lot of people that will start to be resistant mm-hmm. um, and they don't like your growth. Yes, And I've heard I've got a great quote of yours where you said the person I have become is not who the people I love loved. And I had to move past that so talk to me about how the hell you move past it especially when there are people in your life like when it's friends i think it may be a little easier because you can distance yourself you can have like one type of relationship with them and another type of relationship you know with your your girlfriends another type of with your business girlfriends like you can have that but when it's family when you grow and you realize oh shit like they love the old me how do you then move past it, not take on that responsibility
1: and make sure that it doesn't hold you where you are? So smart. Um One is realizing uh you may change, but most people will not change. And if you realize that, then you will stop trying to get people to understand your standpoint and instead try to get people to move out of your way. And so I thought about it like, um, you know, family, let's say, say you have family that wants you to do X, Y, Z, certain thing. Old Cody would say, no, you don't understand. This is why you should do it this way. Like, why don't you get it? Here's my perspective. I would convince I'm in, I want to make you understand mode. I flipped the script and got to, I want you to get out of my way mode, which basically means I don't want your mind to change. If you're happy where you're at, More power to you. I just don't want you to bother me on my path to change. And so that, for me, was something I started calling smile and do it anyway, which basically (laughs) meant when people, when my mom, for instance, would say, you know, are you sure about that decision? Is that the right thing you should be doing? I would just listen to whatever she said, largely not comment, smile, nod in agreement and go about my path. Mm -hmm. Because for the most part, for people that you can't cut out of your life or you don't want to you trying to change their perspective is gonna be like trying to turn a Democrat into a Republican. It doesn't work, vice versa, right? And so if you realize that, why would you expend one of the most valuable things that we can never get back, which is our time, trying to do something that will never work? Instead, try to get this belief, which I had at some point, that your actions in the life you live will be the biggest way to change change people's mentality as opposed to any words you can say. Mm -hmm. And so what happened years later is after I got divorced and I made change and I started my whole business, my mom now will say, you getting divorced was the bravest thing I've ever seen. She would have never said that in the beginning. It was way too hard. She cried more than I did. But now she, my life has changed her mentality in a way that my words never could have. And that was a big change for me to realize. Can I ask you, do you
0: think that that has to do, though, with the fact that now you are successful now remarried and in a great relationship? Like, what if you didn't have the career you have now, yeah. you didn't marry the man that you have now, Do you think that she still would feel like that? And the reason why I ask is I try to play the devil's advocate where you've got the parent that is crying or, you know, oh, my God, what have you done to your life? Um, And it's beautiful now. Like that story is so gorgeous. But what if that
1: hadn't happened? Well, there's many things that I don't have that I know they wish for me. Children, right? Age old thing wish we had kids you know wish that i would spend more time with the family wish that i would work less typical mm-hmm. things all because they love me and uh and yet that doesn't make me happy and so i suppose your happiness is way more important than your success so i have this material success and i have this marriage that from the outside looks good don't get me wrong sometimes i want to murder him too love I, like love him but we all, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100% and uh and so i think um you know, you also can't expect every parent to come around, Mm -hmm. you know, that like we, my husband's parents, for instance, his dad's very different. You know, he's a, he's a very old school man that will never be happy unless Chris lives the life that he wants him to live. And I think he'll go to his deathbed like that. And Chris just has to live with the fact that his father will never give him the, you know, good job, son, pat on the back, Mm -hmm. despite being a Navy SEAL and, you know, like cream of the crop, right? And so um, he's had to have his own journey on that. So I don't think you have to have this beautiful little loop. Mm -hmm. You just have to have your progression and get comfortable with the smile, nod and do it anyway.
0: Yeah. Oh my God. So do you remind yourself that in those moments? Yeah.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Because it must be hard.
0: I mean, my dad's the same. I mean, he, he accepts my life now. Yeah. But even, I mean, I told him that I didn't want children, uh, what was it, maybe nine years ago now, maybe even 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, I'm speaking to him and he's in, he's in Cyprus with his family. And of course, all of them have grandkids and all oh, of them yeah. are like great grandkids. Yeah. And he's like... I don't even have one grandkid. And I was like, oh, Good God, and here we go. You. Yeah, like, and, and going to your, but to your point about, like, why would we try and convince people? I think it's because, especially when it's people in our lives, we really do want to be accepted. Going back to where we yeah. even started, the people-pleasing, yeah. right? Whether it's ingrained in me or not, I want my dad to be proud of me, and I want yeah. to please him, and I want to make my mum happy, and I want to make her, you know, um, excited and proud of me. But it can no longer be my North Star.
1: So... I come from a family, basically, where in the past we just would take all of our feelings and brush them under the rug. Right. Mm-hmm. If we disagreed, there were no arguments or loud shouting. It was just like quiet disappointment, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and at some point I realized that wasn't serving me anymore. And so I started to say aloud to them the things that bothered me. And so I usually try in the beginning to say, if, if say my father was to say something like that to me, which they have in their own way, I, I probably would have said something like, when you say something like that, this is how it makes me feel. You don't love me. You don't accept me. And you think that uh, I'm not a success because I haven't done this last thing for you at which point my parents at varying points have said dear Lord one I said none of that you made all of that up in your head mm-hmm. and two that's not how I feel at all I just want the full human experience for you I want you to feel what it felt like to have this baby at where at that point I might say back to them I want you to feel like what it feels like to be on this TV set and to be having these deep conversations and to be feeling like I am sharing my vision with the world of humans who can go out and create more humans in a way that me birthing one out of my vagina uh, doesn't feel the same to me. Yeah. And so I wish you could feel that. I wish you could feel this passion and love that I have for it. But I also wish every happiness for you. And like to almost have that conversation. Now I've done that. Sometimes it works. And sometimes they're like, you'll never understand. How the kids. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then at that point, you just go, Uh-huh. uh-huh. Yeah, nod and smile and do it anyway. anyway. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God, it's so
0: funny. I I said that recently to my dad as well. I was like, I just want you to be proud of me. And he was like, Oh my God, of course I'm proud of you. And I was like, I just need to hear the words. Like, And I think that that does come though with building your confidence because- if there are moments, you can't predict how someone else is going to respond. And so being able to be okay with yourself yeah. and building your own validation, making sure that you're strong in your mind and how you think and your convictions. Yeah. And I think where I, even when I had to speak out loud that I didn't want children, I was so fearful. And the reason was I was yeah. worried about the backlash. And then I started to process, but why are you worried about the backlash, Lisa? And it was because I wasn't comfortable in that decision in the first place. And I just had to get comfortable enough that now if anyone says it's, me, it doesn't bother me because I'm so confident in my decision. I don't have um, any angst about it. And yeah. I think that if you do, you just try to convince the other person so they can
1: be on your side. So now you can feel comfortable with the decision you've made. A hundred percent. You know, there's some funny thing about us humans where we we try to not say the quiet thing out loud and mm. we do it frequently. And what I found as I've gotten older is because that's such the norm, that when you do say the quiet thing out loud, it erases. It's kind of like in the movies when you see the monsters and then they turn on the lights and they evaporate. And so I've tried to have a practice lately of quiet out loud, which is, you know, when somebody says something that I take a certain way, as opposed to just having it sit inside and sort of sit at that seat of resentment, I might say back to them, huh. When you said that, this came up for me. Am I off base on that and allowing them almost the chance to come back? And this sort of happened because I had a deal go bad the other, like, a month or two ago with with a person we were really close with. Like, I am talking super good friends with that ended up stealing from us. Oh, God. And, uh... Myriad of reasons. And, and I remember there was a moment where he was pitching that we invest in this company and do this deal. And he became really close with my husband. And I had one of those gut moments where I was like, ooh, something right there that that guy said made me not trust him. And I talked to my husband around it. My husband was like, well, do you think you're kind of being hard on him for this? And I was like, oh, okay. Probably be hard on him. And then afterwards I was like, I knew it. I knew that moment and I heard it. And so after that, uh, we had another si- similar situation come up and I almost overreacted. You know how sometimes yeah, instead of stair-step, yeah, yeah. you're like, I was quiet last time, so I'm going to yell at you this time. Mm-hmm. And so the, the second time when this came up, somebody brought up a deal that they wanted to do with a friend and I just was like, no, I feel, I feel things here and no, you know, and then, and then I had to like reel it back and sort of figure out why I was so intense, but learning to say the quiet thing out loud. It's amazing. I've never once regretted saying the quiet thing out loud. And I regret every time I don't. Ah. Oh. And so maybe try that on for size and see if it works. Anybody listening.